Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott, alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Sean, you know that I'm a fan of the Buffalo Bills, yeah? I've heard that, yeah. Yeah, they they haven't won a single close game all year. And all their wins, <laughs> they've been huge blowouts. And it's uh-huh. just, it's really getting to me that I'm, I'm just so, like, anxious all the time the game is close because I know they're going to lose. Mm, it's so, not fun. Anyway, let's start talking about curling because I don't th- that came out of nowhere, I know, but uh, <laughs> I just had to get it off my chest. Yeah, actually, we were watching the game together on Sunday and I left at halftime. I was like, oh, that's the end of that. Yeah, you said, oh, there's no chance. And then, you know, little by little, I moved my position on the couch, mm-hmm. uh, tried to stand up a bit, uh, pace back and forth, uh, and it was so close, yet then ripped out of out of the hands of victory what do they say defeat from the jaws of victory yeah that's right yeah so you know uh it was nice that you uh stopped by to to watch and yeah. uh you know I, and then gave up halfway and through. then gave up and said oh, i'm out of here <laughs> uh i definitely drank many more beers that <laughs> evening so well, well it uh, is but, uh you know that's part of uh winter you know you hang out you're inside You'd have a couple beers, watch the game. You had the Christmas tree right there. It's a wonderful winter activity. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And and we started exchanging beers for our annual 12 beers of Christmas exchange. That's right. So each year, week. yeah, each year, Scott and I buy each other 12 beers. We wrap them up or cover them in some manner. And every day, it's like our little advent calendars, but we only do 12 in the lead up to Christmas. So today is... The third day, as we record this, uh, there's a theme to mine, Scott. Have you any guesses as to what the theme uh, is yet? You know, I was trying to guess what the theme was. I thought, oh, maybe is it Quebec brews? But the second one was from Ottawa here. So I have not cracked the code yet. Okay. So uh, not quite yet, but there is, a, there is a theme. We will reveal the theme on a future episode uh, once Scott is able to figure it out. Uh, so far, I've enjoyed the two that I've had. Uh, I opened today's, and I can't remember what it was. It's in the fridge for later, for after this very show. Oh, I'm Sean, I started, I started before the show. So Okay, what's, uh, what was today's, Scott? Double Aura. Oh. It's a very strong Northeast IPA from... Gallicus, a brasserie artisanale. Yes, Gallicus, a uh, very highly rated uh, brewery over in Gatineau. So, yeah. uh, you know, very nice. All right. Uh, but Scott, because we're doing the 12 beers of Christmas, that means it is the end of the year or coming up to the end of the year. So it is time to look back on the world of curling in 2021. And we are going to hand out our 2021 Game of Stones awards awards we'll call them the stonies the stonies the 2021 stony awards scott we have 10 categories for the best in the world of curling but before we get into the specific categories and the awards scott how would you sum up this year in the world of curling because it's been bizarre at all levels 
from the rec level all the way up to the elite players like how how can you look back and try to summarize what 2021 has been in this wonderful sport uh, yeah i would i would categorize it as like somewhat disjointed okay where well that, that's probably not the way to do it like it, it was bursts right it was like mm. bubble Blah, like go <laughs> curling like all curling happened in whatever like a two and a half month span yeah so that was like you know you go from nothing to saturation of curling uh-huh. uh it was a bit overwhelming yeah and then you know the the fall you know those grand slams happened <laughs> i don't know uh i i don't remember much of them uh i i was traveling a bit in the fall but then you, you know you get the euros and the bubble or not the bubble the trials at the same time you've got the qualifying event happening now yet uh mixed doubles the qualifying was a bit earlier so just a whole lot going on and it's it's like uh the supply and demand isn't really in in sync you know it's like huge supply and then nothing and then more like right uh, i don't know how to say that really like spurts yeah yeah, I think for the first time in a really long time, the off season really felt like a reset to me. That that there was there's always an off season, of course, in the summer, but this felt so different because last year in the spring, everything, as you say, was very concentrated. It was all in the bubble. Everything looked the same, with the exception of the mixed doubles worlds. So once we got mm-hmm. to the end of that, then there was really nothing, and there wasn't a lot of lineup changes over the course of the summer it was really just a very silent very quiet summer with some questions about what would the fall look like you know we had the pre-pre-trials look looking ahead to that who's going to be there Uh, you know a couple teams like laycock didn't go they declined their invite but generally speaking it wasn't a very newsy summer in the world of curling Mm -hmm. and and when we came back in the fall with the first thing i saw was the pre-pre-trials here in Ottawa and then you had the slams and then of course the trials but that felt more of a normal thing because every time there was a new event it was in a new location and things looked a little different you had fans back in the stands so it really did feel like a a total break from the season before which normally the the seasons kind of flow together a little bit but that Mm. 2021 season of champions really stood stands out stood out and it's going to be something that I'll remember probably more than a typical season of champions because of that. But it did create a sense this fall that this is very much a new season. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, I think we'll all remember the curling bubble yeah. um, for a long time. Absolutely. Not, ne- not necessarily everything that happened in it, but uh, the very fact that it was able to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. No question. Yeah. So let's get into the Stony Awards. Scott, we have 10 categories here. I'm going to take them maybe in inverse order of prestige. Okay. So let's start off with the commercial of the year. Some new contenders came out during the Canadian Olympic curling trials. Scott, I think they were all bad. I don't think any good commercials came in during the trials. But am I missing something that you enjoyed? the ones during the trials um you know i always want to write them down 
and <laughs> I always forget. I uh, the farming one was a lot more serious this yeah. year, right? Like farmers do everything for you, so be thankful for thar- farmers. Yeah. Okay, sure. I I get it. Cool. Don't, <laughs> uh, don't at me, man. Uh, I don't remember much else though. I I remember seeing a lot of the same ones. The OK Tire. Yeah. Um. I think there was a new Tim Hortons one. But, yeah, the f- uh, food still stinks. Yeah, the food still stinks. Uh, oh, oh, we've got espresso now. Oh, yes, uh, the espresso. Yeah. 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 It was like, uh, why didn't you just go to Starbucks? <laughs> 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 or if you wanted this, like, you had lots of options in the 20 years between uh, when Starbucks became ubiquitous. But anyway. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's about it. Yeah. So our best commercial of the year, we are going to stick with what we decided from the bubble when we did our curling commercial episode. It is the Kruger kid curling, the the little girl watching Carrie Anderson win the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. She puts the Kleenex box on her foot and curls with the toilet paper roll. That is the commercial of the year, Scott. Uh, I, I don't think it's really close for any of the other ads no and you know it's really lucky for kruger that carrie anderson won again they so can keep using it yeah they can just keep using it and uh it still makes sense uh you did point out that it's not the shot it's not the right uh, shot it's not the right shot that actually won it that they show but uh, you know that's that's fine i think uh i, I think it's a a very powerful commercial and uh it's it really represents to me like the sponsorship of women's curling and how far it's come over the last uh 40 years uh i think it's pretty good yeah so congratulations to kruger products for your commercial of the year all right next up is the biggest story of the year and there are some late contenders to come in for the biggest story of the year. The Easy Toys is certainly the most fun story of the year. Mm-hmm. The Darren Molding news might have been the most Twitter-ish news of the year. But Scott, I think the biggest story of 2021 in the world of curling is the curling bubble. That it happened, that it was pulled off. Last year at this time, we were talking about whether or not the events could be played. We spent a lot of January, at least I did, doubting that this would actually be able to happen. I was very skeptical throughout the early part of the year that they would be able to pull it off. So mm-hmm. that everything came together as successfully as it did is a, just a, a tremendous uh, achievement for Curling Canada and for the partners who are also there, but specifically for Curling Canada. And I, I really think that just a relatively small national sporting organization being able to do what they did uh, is remarkable and certainly worthy of the biggest story of the year. Yeah, Sean, we just mentioned that we're all going to remember the curling bubble, right? Maybe not what happened in it, but we'll all remember. Oh yeah. I remember that year when there was COVID and uh, they had a bubble for curling. That was crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this has to be the biggest story, which I think at the beginning of the year, uh, knowing that it's an Olympic year, you uh, well, heading into an Olympic year, I guess, you probably wouldn't have 
wouldn't have guessed that that would be the biggest story, but, uh, you know, you, you might think, oh, the, the trials are going to produce some crazy drama and great shots, but no, uh, the, the bubble's what's going to stick with us. Yeah, absolutely. So that is our biggest story of 2021. All right, next category up is the best non-skip of the year, Scott. Uh, the skips get all the credit, and it's probably fair. They make the last shots at the end and uh, frequently can overcome misses earlier in the end. Uh, one of the reasons I like playing front end uh, is that is a, a truism of curling mm-hmm. but a uh, couple options here there's there's a lot of great non-skip players out there i know who i would pick for this award but who do you like as the best non-skip of the year well you've got so many options right you've got uh, sylvana terenzoni throwing third for her team of course uh, uh, but she's the skip she's calling the game Okay, well then you've got the fourth rock thrower. You got Alina Pats. Alina Pats coming yeah. in and just being amazing. Uh, you've got the the Scottish team, Grant Hardy for sure, uh, with Bruce Mowat. They've had an amazing year in curling. But uh, Sean, you always say it on the show. Uh, Caitlin Laws is the best uh, third in the game, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I think she is by far the best third in the game. She is so good. She is, and I think actually she's the best all-around player in the sport right now. Mm-hmm. If you combine everything of of sweeping, line calling, throwing, she can do everything at an elite level. And that's not true of a lot of players because the skips don't sweep, and when they try to, it's very adorable. So mm-hmm. it, it's one of these things where if you're looking at all-around players, I think it's Caitlin Laws, and if you look at what she did during the trials she was phenomenal all week she was bumping out and taking over some of the sweeps where line wasn't as important where you didn't need to call the line she was coming Mm -hmm. out and just crushing it on those sweeps now it's a little easier to do that when it's only every so often on those hard ones when the front end are doing six uh 60 rocks a game uh for for two two a day for over the course of a week so i mean you know take that with with that as so a caveat to what she's doing, but she is just so good at every aspect of the sport that I really do think that she's the best all around player in the world right now. And therefore worthy of being the best non-skip in the 2021 curling year. Yeah. And you talked about, uh, of course you talked about Mark Nichols being maybe the most important player, but I I do agree with you that Caitlin is, is probably the best all around curler as you said yeah scott who do you think if we took out thirds too what about front end players like who who stands out you got like agnes is really good uh, of course you got uh shannon burchard probably have to be on that list uh hammy and lammy from the mowat team uh you know uh, is there anyone else who really stands out as like a, a a front end player who can really move the needle well, I mean, at least the Weagles going back to the Olympics uh, twice in a row, but yeah. uh, uh, of course, uh, I it's it's just not as important as you say because the the skips are the ones making the last shot. I think the next skips that that are front end players now is Brett Gallant for sure. Yeah, and like I I could see. I could see Jocelyn staying with Caitlin, but I could see her going and wanting to start her own team too. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. 
Yeah, I I'd probably give it Breckelant. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, Breckelant probably stands out as maybe the best front end player right now, and just, again because he contributes so much at the back end of the yeah. the game. So and we we got to throw it uh, Tim March's name right. Of course, just gotcha. all that sweeping. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So uh, Scott, let's move on to the most improved player or most improved team of the year. Some options here. Certainly you might be able to throw Bruce Mowden in there. They have established themselves as one of the best men's teams in the world. There are some other options uh, available in terms of who stands out. You could go with someone like Mackenzie Zacharias, Beth Peterson had really good showings at the Scotties. If you look over on the men's side in Canada, I'm not sure if anyone really took the leap this year in terms of improvement, maybe Dunstone. I don't know. Someone like Corey Dropkin pushing Schuster to the Mm -hmm. limit at the American trials. But I think the team that has really stood tall and established themselves said we're here and is in a place today where I'm not sure a lot of folks would have put them last year is Tracy Fleury and her team out of Manitoba. Very solid season. They did okay in the bubble when Tracy wasn't there, when Tracy showed up in the bubble for the one slam, they went undefeated during the round. Robin came back great performances in the slams this year. And then of course the runner up at the Canadian Olympic curling trial. So I would give the most approved award of the year to Tracy Fleury and her squad. Do you disagree? Uh, no, I don't. I, I, it's, it's hard to say they're the most improved because they were like, top five on the rankings last year too. Mm-hmm. But I think I it, it all seemed to be off the back of that one good slam. And then, you know, they would make playoffs and they were just sort of steady, but they hadn't had that like one breakout event uh, until the Chelsea carry played, played with them. And then it, it, it was good, but not quite the level of, of having Tracy there, like you say. And then I think at this, event uh for the trials was sort of their coming out party and really unfortunate the way that they lost uh mm-hmm. just that one game all week and that happened to be the wrong one uh i i was reading ken palm's blog about the week and uh it, it was like well it, it begins by saying well this is awkward <laughs> uh by virtue of her performance uh, tracy flurry moves into number one in the rankings but the one loss was in the finals. So, right. Yeah. So th- they're definitely a team that, you know, if you told me four years ago, a team skipped by Tracy Fleury was going to be in the Olympic trial finals. I, I would have laughed at you because sure. She wasn't I, there at that point. She, she just wasn't, wasn't there. there. Yeah. And, and she didn't, she was still in Northern Ontario and not having sort of the talent around yeah. her uh, for that either. But uh, the move has been really good for her, for her team and uh, for their future prospects. Yeah, no question. And, and yeah, maybe if, if the improvedness isn't necessarily to the team themselves, certainly in the eyes of a lot of casual fans, they would be the most improved that you don't really know a lot about Tracy Fleury. They were good, not great. And then they come out and have this really phenomenal fall season after what was a pretty good bubble for them. It wasn't great, but it was it was pretty good, especially mm-hmm. under the circumstances. So, yes, yeah, so I, I like Tracy Fleury and, and her team as the most improved. 
Scott, I, I just put one down here as a bonus 11th category because you mentioned the performance in the bubble. Made me realize maybe we should do performance of the year, individual performance of the year. And I think it's Rachel Holman in the bubble. If you sort of distill down what she did individually, that performance, getting to the final of the Scotties while pregnant, going and have a baby, come back, win a slam, get to the final of the other slam. Just a remarkable individual performance over the course of three or four weeks, whatever it was, for Rachel Holman. So if I was doing an individual performance of the year, it's that stretch for Rachel Holman. Yeah, uh, you're not going to find any uh, resistance from me on that, uh, for sure. Holman, what she did in the bubble was was just incredible. And uh, I think Sean, a big light on just how, just how like good women curling, women's curling is. Yeah. Still in 2021 gets overshadowed a bit, but you know, you and I talk about, we like the women's game just as much, if not more uh, yeah. than the men's game. And so uh, what she did in the bubble really helped you know, get some media attention outside of the curling world on such a, such a great performance. All right, Scott, let's move on. We have a lot of options here for our WTF moment of the year. Is there any that really stand out to you? Well, Sean, we had that, uh, that weird broom slam from, uh, Steve Laycock. Maybe I should go in our chat with uh, Rocks Across the Pond at like <laughs> uh, what that's when all the things happened was, was like, oh, sh- what's going on? Yeah. Uh, but but what's what's the number one? Well, I mean, there's there's a few. I mean, we've we, easy toys could be one maybe like I don't know. But uh, there's there's some weird reactions to the easy toys. It's gotten a lot of play. No question about it. But I think the big WTF moment of the year. And this might be recency bias, but Darren Molding being cut, the way he was cut, the, the fact that it happened isn't all that shocking. And I don't think, like if the statement came out, people would have been like, oh, that's weird timing, but oh, okay. But it was that the the statement was factually incorrect, had to be corrected, having a press conference moved up a day, lying about why you're moving it up a day, uh, them appearing on that curling show and inside curling on the same day. Just the, the, mm-hmm. I mean, curling Twitter isn't big enough to quote unquote break the internet, but that, that's as much of a break the internet story as we've ever had in the world of curling. And it, it was really fascinating to see it play out mostly because of the confusion associated with it. It, it really was a WTF moment Again, not because of what happened, but because of how it happened. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, d- I don't think any of us were surprised by the fact that he wouldn't be with the team. It was more the timing and more the way it was done. Uh, and then also Darren's clap back to it, you know, just. Yeah. So, so there's that, like it, I, I follow quite a lot of curling people on my personal Twitter but I've never seen it where it was like scrolling after like page after page was all this story. <laughs> like during the trials and stuff. Yes. It's, it's very much curling focus, but there's other stuff in there. And this was like all, all that one story. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. That uh, was something else. So yeah, that is our WTF moment of the year. All right, Scott, let's move on to what the worst moment of the year was. There are a few options here. Certainly, uh, the various cancellations that happened, uh, those include mm-hmm. the Continental Cup being canceled, the mixed doubles World Championship qualifier canceled, 
Uh, we had other cancellations of minor events over the course of the season. We had some, you could argue if you want, some of the, the many, many F-bombs that were dropped on live mm-hmm. programming. Uh, you could throw those in there too. You could put the the molding being cut and sort of what that showed uh, or what that brought forth uh, from some corners of the curling community as being the worst moment. But I think the worst moment of the year were the false positives during the men's world championship and then the shutdown of the women's world championship broadcasts. So I, I'm going to include mm-hmm. all of those together. Of course, the false positives were with the American men's team as they left the bubble following the men's world championship. And then, of course, during the women's world championship, members of the broadcast crew had positive tests, which led to no broadcast. So I'm going to put those as the worst moment of the year as a sort of a combined moment. But uh, Scott, uh, anything else stand out for you about bad things from the year? Well, we we did give a lot of credit to Curling Canada for the bubble. Uh, But yeah, the false false positives that came out uh, just ahead of the medal round for the men's worlds were were definitely a bad moment a bad look the the players looking to get clarity on what the heck was going on uh made it a real real tough situation so uh the false positives there the canceling of the broadcasting for the women's was also really bad because we were still stuck at home you know with (laughs) uh, not much else to do so uh yeah i think that that pretty clearly stands out as as the worst moment to me all right so let's uh, switch it then and say the best moment of the year lots of great options here you have great shots you have uh, you know darren molden finally winning a briar mm-hmm. and how excited he was in that moment somebody like val sweeting getting to be team canada for the first time uh, my apologies to sabrina but that made a lot of people happy uh, to see mm-hmm. that moment of uh, vic in his intro essay, the first night of the Scotties stands out to me as, as a great moment. But I think the best moment of the year for me was the trials closing ceremony. This was an incredible closing ceremony. You had the indigenous representation. You had a blanket ceremony. You had the drum circle. There was a lot there and uh, it, it was meaningful. And you could tell that it was meaningful to the communities that were there participating and it seemed like the players really got something out of it most of them that it it was meaningful and and they took pride in that moment as well that was a tremendous closing ceremony probably one of the best if not the best that i'd ever seen and that was just a great moment to see yeah and and it it did seem like uh, the players appreciated it too which which i i think adds to it being a, a great moment uh, some that you missed, Sean, that eight ender in the women's worlds. Oh yeah, might have happened. It might not have. <laughs> we don't know. We'll never see it. Yeah. Uh, there was that um, Estonia winning their first game. Yeah, was was kind of a big deal. But uh, no, the, the the closing ceremony of the trials, even the opening ceremony of the trials, was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, having those ceremonies to bookend the big biggest event of every four years here in Canada yeah, uh, was, was pretty good. Yeah. And back in the year, somebody qualified for their first world championship too. Um, 
I'll look that up, but, but somebody qualified. So that's another one that would be a cool moment that we're going to see a new team at a world championship. Uh, yeah. Australia. Australia. Getting, well, they get the Olympic berth yeah. uh, for the mixed doubles. But one of the four four person teams, uh, I can't remember men's or women's, but first time we'll be at a world championship in the spring. So, uh, so, so there were some good moments uh, to see in terms of the, the growth of the game and new teams coming through. So uh, good stuff all around there, Scott. All right, let's get into the prestige categories, as I'm going to call them. And let's start with the shot of the year. A lot of great options for this one, including one that Yuta Matsumura made yesterday Mm -hmm. uh, as games continue. He made a ridiculous angle double takeout from about, what, 20 feet? Yeah, and it, not only was it a double, it like had to hit in the crotch of two stones. Yeah, split them around another stone of his that was behind them. Uh, had to be perfect. It was, was pretty incredible. Uh, but you know that led them to be tied in the fourth end or something. So you know who cares? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the the big shots that we saw in the bubble, you know the the Greg Smith shot around the horn, the Kirk Myers. Uh, that went and and won a bunch of the one v ones, yeah. On on Sports Center, they were all good. Botcher to win the Briar semifinal, that angle raise that like put a dagger in Matt Dunstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were all good, but Sean, the shot of the bubble was the shot of the year. Kadriana Sahidic with that amazing draw freeze, the the draw to the pin in the mixed doubles semifinal against Peterman and Gallant. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That that was an incredible shot. And it's not a shot, we said this at the time, it's not a shot that's going to win 1v1. It's not. It's not a great highlight shot. Yeah. But it was unbelievable in how skilled that shot was. Like the talent to pull that off is that that, that is required is remarkable because it wasn't, she didn't come down to the face of it. She It wasn't a shot... Where you just throw okay back four and you come to the face of it. No, like you had to stop right next to the yeah. other stone in the absolute perfect spot. You had about a millimeter to hit, and she hit it to win a national championship or to win a playoff game at a national championship. Yeah. That is an just a remarkable achievement. I was in awe of that shot. I, I was just sitting here with my jaw on the ground, and then I w- rewound it to make sure I actually saw what I saw. And you know, it was against Peterman and Gallant and Brett Gallant sort of, he, he almost seems stunned. He just goes, uh, great, great shot. Like he seemed confused. Like, how did she do that? Cause nobody, like maybe she, maybe she thought, maybe Colton thought, but anyone watching probably was like, well, game over. Uh, yeah. cause Peterman and Gallant had that end in control that, and Jocelyn made her last one. And I, I have no idea how Sahidic made that shot to that to this point. Yeah. It was just incredible, just incredible, like uh, such amazing, like everything, right? Line, yeah. weight, uh, the call, the sweeping, just uh, yeah, very worthy of being the shot of the year. Yeah. All right, Scott. Uh, so if we move from the shot of the year, let's get up to the game of the year. Some great options here. Not so much from the trials, but if you want to look at some of the games of the year, uh, maybe a couple of the semifinals uh, or the, the women's semifinal maybe had some some drama in it. 
uh, the tiebreakers, mm-hmm. sure. Uh, the men's world championship, Bruce Mowat against Nick Edeen was a game I was very high on at the time, still am. Uh, the yep. fourth end of that game was very interesting in how they maneuvered the rocks uh, with very lightweight, that, that board hack weightish stuff. I, I thought that was a very interesting, well-played game. But Scott, tell me I'm wrong. That the game of the year, in terms of if you take stakes out of it, the, the best played game that I saw this year was Brendan Botcher against Kevin Cooey on either Thursday or Friday afternoon in the bubble during the briar where they just took turns one up in each other. Yeah. They made everything in the final was not as good a game. Like we were all amped up for it. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, in, in the round Robin, yeah, they were just trading blows. Like uh, it was like a rumble in the jungle or, you know, just who's going to fall first yeah. was it, the question. And that was really, it was really, really compelling. Yeah. It was two heavyweight fighters in the middle of the ring, not protecting themselves, just yeah. punching each other in the face. That's what it was like. You know, Botcher get a big score and then Cooey makes a ridiculous run back split. Like what? Yeah. I'm sorry. Like who even thinks to try that guy? Uh, but he made it. Like, it was just a, an absolutely remarkable game that, I think when we came on, we did a stream after that, and I said game of the year, and uh, nothing has changed my mind mm-hmm. since that uh, that afternoon in March. So that's the game of the year. I have to give an honorable mention for game of the year to Jennifer Jones against Carrie Anderson in the round robin of the trials, not because it was a particularly well-played game. It was not, but yeah. it might have been just as entertaining as the Botcher-Cooey game for a very different reason. That was that that also might have qualified for the WTF moment of the year, that game. Because mm-hmm. you just don't see those two teams miss that many shots and be that off. Uh, you know, Kerry Anderson missed the paint on a open draw that gives up a big steal late in the game. You just don't see that ever happen. And no. that was a very entertaining game, but not for the reason that the Bacha Kui game was entertaining. No, exactly. That that was entertaining, but you're right. It wasn't it wasn't the curling display that the botcher cooey was for sure. No, I was able to use a GIF. I, I didn't put any comments. I, I just tweeted a GIF of somebody looking side to side, confused, at one point in that game, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. it got a, it got a like people knew what I was doing. <laughs> like nobody was like what? Like it's sort of yeah. Everyone kind of got that. So uh, that was a fun game, uh, no question about it. All right, Scott, let's move on to our final award. The most prestigious of all the Stonies team of the year. Scott, who do you think is in the running for team of the year? Well, Sean, you got to look at uh, all those top teams. You know, you mentioned Nicholas Adin already. Uh, he's always in the conversation. We saw Brad Gushu uh, just win the, the, the Canadian Olympic trials. Brendan Botcher, as you mentioned, you know, gets to his first world's. Uh, on the women's side, we've got Anna Hasselberg, Sylvana Terenzoni. They've always got to be in the conversation. Yeah. Carrie Anderson. Carrie Anderson, yeah. Yeah, had a good year. Yeah. Tracy Fleury, sure. great year. Yeah, Tracy Fleury. I, I figured since we already talked about her, she was yeah. not going to win this one. Sure. But, but there's one team, Sean, that has won so many slams. <laughs> Yeah, that, that it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it, 
it's Bruce Mallet, right? Yeah, I think for sure. They are the team of the year, uh, no question. In my mind, at least. A very dominant bubble performance, winning the two slams in the bubble on the men's side. Silver medal at the World Championship. Just And they've come out this year incredibly strong, uh, not least of which winning the European Championship mm-hmm. for, well, in, I wouldn't say in dominating fashion, but the final they dominated that game. And, you know, throughout the week, they were solid the whole time. They, they, they were full fair for winning that event. So I think just if you're looking pillar to post over the course of the year, who's been the best, most consistent team, it's got to be those guys. And I, I don't know if they're going to be the favorite for the average fan going into the Olympics here in about six or seven weeks, whenever it kicks off. But for my money, they're the team that's been the best over the last year. So you're looking at them and I would be looking at them to be the favorites as we head to Beijing. Yeah. I don't even know if you would put maybe Nicholas Adin and Brad Gushu in that same category as like the three heaviest metal favorites, but even, even then Scotland uh, and team out, it might, might be like that one level higher. Yeah, I think so. They're just, yeah. they're just playing at a ridiculous level right now. Yeah, they're rolling for sure. There you have it. All of our Stony Awards. Scott, you you good with that list? You like that? I like that list. I like that list. Uh, I want to hear from the listeners, like what what would they pick? What what would be different? Uh, What categories did we miss? I know Mm -hmm. like we did a best Laura Walker gif for the bubble, but uh, I just don't think we got enough content the rest of the year. Uh, So, uh, (laughs) you know, that, that challenge is out there for... More Laura Walker gifts for next year. More but, Laura uh, Walker gifts, yeah. Yeah, they, they didn't have the greatest of weeks in the bubble, so didn't get as much TV time as she did during the Scotties. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll be looking forward to the Scotties and the, the Briar uh, to bring back some some more, some more of the f- more fun out there categories. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy with this list. All right, and on the subject of curling gifts too, Curling Robot, who creates a lot of them, if not all of them, uh, mm-hmm. just released the batch for the trials. So oh, those are now available and, and go over to curling robots. Uh, you can download them there. They make them all available. Uh, it's a wonderful that that's done uh, for the community. So you can get them. The one I saw was it's either Peterman or Laura Walker when they jump into either Galantz or, or Walker's arms after the trials. That's the one that I saw. Oh yeah, there's actually both of them doing it at the same time. I think I've seen that. Oh, nice. So there's a yeah. So there's some good gifts if you want to get in the curling gift game. And I, just to put a bow on the Euro discussion, Turkey on the women's side did qualify for the World Championship. So first appearance That's for uh, Yildiz, uh, Disla Yildiz, and the Turkish side. So that'll be fun in the spring when the World Championship takes place. So. That will do it for us for this week. It is our quote-unquote year-in-review type episode, but uh, the year's not over yet. So we have uh, another new episode coming for you. We'll be talking about the Mixed Doubles Olympic Trials here in Canada coming up next week. So do subscribe if you have not yet so you can get that episode and all the other fun stuff we do here on the show. And if you have not yet, please do give a like ratings comments all that good stuff helps other people find the show keeps us growing and of course you can head on over gamestonespod.com where you can find all of our past episodes plus the merch that is available 
Scott, I, I'm not going to say this on the show, what the specific is, but we got a pitch this week for a brilliant piece of merch that I very much want to explore the possibility of producing. Okay. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm excited to hear the, uh, hear the ideas. Yes. So hopefully we can, uh, we can pull that one off. And if we do, we will certainly announce it on the show. And of course, as always, all proceeds are going to Food Banks Canada for the t-shirts, all other merch proceeds to the Sandra Schmerler Foundation. And we are matching those as well. And uh, we said we'd have an update, but I don't, I, I forgot to look this week, Scott. Did do you have it? I was going to do a total for 2021, but I've got honestly like so many, uh, <laughs> so many uh receipts here all right well we'll do so, a total. first episode in 2022 we can do a total yeah we'll we'll recap the 2021 totals maybe still some time to get your orders in and get uh, a nice christmas or post christmas gift yeah for... get yourself a new year's gift a yeah. new year's eve present yeah exactly yeah the shipping probably won't get there for christmas at this point uh but you know they're good stuff. I, I love the hoodies. I say it all the time. And I've been wearing the toque a lot too. So, yes. uh, so it's good stuff on, on the merch. Uh, again, proceeds to Food Banks Canada and the Sandra Schmerler Foundation. And of course, if you want to let us know what you want to hear on the show, or if you have a pitch for merch, Game of Stones podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media at Game of Stones pod on Twitter and Instagram. Scott's there at Scott Lakes TV. And I am at the Sean Graham, where tomorrow, if you're interested, I did a roundtable of podcasting, uh, specifically history podcasting, but it's somewhat general in its tone uh, about podcasting, the podcast space. So if you're interested in that, you can head on over activehistory.ca tomorrow, Thursday, the 16th, or check out the History Slam podcast feed. That was a really good discussion, I felt, with a bunch of podcasters from across the country. So uh, you can check that one out. And that's what will be on my social media tomorrow at the Sean Graham. So Scott, that's it for this week. It's not quite it for 2021, but it was a, it was a overall pretty good year. I think. Yeah. You know, uh, coming out of the maybe dumpster fire of 2020, (laughs) I would say 2021, maybe more of like a garbage can fire. So incremental improvements yeah small improvements but uh oh things are looking up for 2022 and beyond absolutely so uh we are certainly looking forward to the new year there'll be a lot of curling action to discuss both on and off the ice certainly when we get to the spring so uh we'll we'll look forward to bringing it all to you but again we're not done with 2021 quite yet we'll be back with you next week with a full breakdown of the field for the canadian mixed doubles curling trials so until we talk to you then Keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern.